this is a big month for us, and so I just want to take a moment, the water baptism, the fireworks, all of that takes place the last Sunday of this month. So just a few weeks out, and uh, we'll have our morning services, and then we'll all rally back that evening. There'll be food trucks and so on going on out on the property, and at dark there'll be fireworks. But prior to that, we have a number of people now that are signed up to be baptized in water. If you're interested uh, in that, then please take a moment with the merge card. That is the way you get involved. That's the way you get your questions answered. That's the way you join the church. That's the way you take the next step in your relationship with the Lord, whatever it may be, one item is a very important item of communication for us. So just fill that out if you're interested in water baptism or anything else, community groups and so on. Drop them in our giving stations or you can drop them out in the lobby and we'll take care of that. Now, I want to make sure that you all know one week from today, uh, we are honoring fathers in a special way. And, and let me just say um, a special happy Father's Day first time to Alberto Espinosa. Alberto and Jen are here with Rafael Lawrence. You know, I had to say his middle name. <laughs> so, uh, very excited for you guys. First time the baby came to church. And so, you'll notice James isn't here in the worship team because James and Laura had their baby as well. It'll be their first Father's Day. So, we have several happy Father's Day new beginnings for uh, dads and excited about that. But but it's not just Father's Day celebration here. We're going to do that. Uh, it's a car show. It's going to be a big event next week. We've not done this before on Father's Day, but it'll begin at 8.30. So come out a little bit early and check out. We've got different cars coming in to be a part of that and uh, gift prizes and so on. We'll do giveaways for the fathers in here, giving some grills away to dads. It'll be a big week. Um, I am really excited about just what the Lord's doing in our midst right now. It just seems like a really unique season of breakthrough. And I want to ask you, uh, will you embrace that over your own life? You know, like seriously, <laughs> the Bible says the promises of God belong to us through our yes and amen. So when we're starting to declare breakthrough in the overall atmosphere of our church family, for you to say yes Amen, I receive that, is for you to release that over your own legacy and your own life. And so we're going to step into an understanding of legacy next week uh, as we focus in on Father's Day, but I believe that it's a season for us to gain traction and move forward, and, and I want us to, to really understand as we gather like this, we're not just gathering to have church. We're not just gathering to go to church. You can't go to church because you are the church, so we gather as the church that we might be inspired by God and empowered by His Spirit to go out and be the church everywhere that we go. So let's not just go through business as usual. Let's don't just sing songs. Uh, you know, let's engage and express something to the atmosphere of worship. I, I, I really loved it. We got Rosalia and Pat together right over here, first two rows. This, this makes me want to clone. I know there are a lot of moral questions about this, but when I hear the two of them, I mean, they, they're going to affect the atmosphere of this room and their worship. And this morning, I'm standing over here, and I'm just like, I mean, you know, I'm ready. I'm a fighter. But, but all of a sudden, like, man, I got my double fight on with these ladies yelling and making some noise. I, I, come on, you're, you're designed by God to affect the atmosphere everywhere you go. That's who you are. You are the church of this risen King, Jesus Christ. We're not showing up here haphazardly, casually. We're showing up here intentionally and on purpose to accomplish that which God desires to, to fulfill and accomplish to us and through us. And, and honestly, just to be the church 
and see the work of God expand in the earth. What a privilege that is. And I, I have something to share with you today as we progress into this. And you can pass your books down if you haven't already. Take out your note cards, and we're going to press right in to a, a, an understanding of something the Lord wants to reveal to us, I believe. But I want to just share with you, uh, we've, we've added a new network church. And we don't talk a lot about our network churches, but perhaps we need to. Network churches for us are other churches where we are pastoring pastors and partnering with leaders and connecting with those congregations to help them fulfill everything God's called them to accomplish. And we have a number of network churches now that we're tied in with. We have a network church on the West Coast, on the East Coast, several in between. But today, I'm really excited to share with you uh, in Great Grimsby, the United Kingdom in England, our first network church there in the UK. Simon Willits, who was recently with us and we commissioned him out, he said yes to a church invitation to pastor and lead there. So come on, let's just celebrate what God's doing in his life and ministry and our partnership. So I've been in touch with Simon, talking with him quite a bit, and uh, very excited about all God's doing there. And we'll see how the Lord uh, just continues to move us forward to see God's work expand in the earth. We got to just do what we can do. That's what we have to do. Here's our declaration, our phrase of our core values, and this is why we gather. And you can say it with me. It'll pop up on the screen. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Let's say it one more time. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. So we're on this journey together as a church family. If all we're doing is merely talking people into attending a church and creating an attractional model that just gets people into the building, then maybe it does pay the bills. But if we're only attracting people to attend church and we're not truly making disciples, listen carefully, then we are actually contributing to the greater problem of disillusionment with the church and our society. We really have to take this business seriously, wouldn't you agree? Like, Jesus didn't die so we could go to church. He died so we could be empowered, led by the Spirit of God, be everything that he's called us to be as the body of Christ. And so what we're trying to do is provide a framework right now that will more effectively help you study your Bible. You need to study your Bible. You need to not just hear what I have to say about, your, about the Scripture, but you need to have your own relationship with God. And by the way, you don't need to just read your Bible. You need to sit with the author and experience the author of the Scripture as you're embracing all that he's wanting to reveal in that moment. Isn't it incredible how alive it can be when you just sit with God and actually exchange with him, you just breathe in what he's wanting to reveal. How many of you know there are some amazing moments awaiting you in the rest of your life just sitting and, and being alone with God? Now, I want to just make the point because I'm going to, to be honest with you, I, I've, I've kind of taken an ax to my message today and, and, and I hacked a bunch of stuff out and had to print new notes for the team back there. God help them follow everything as we walk this out. But uh, I just felt like the Lord was saying, stop working so hard on, you know, setting up the framework of what you're going to accomplish, and just let me have a conversation. Come on, I believe God wants to have a conversation with you today. And I think it is very important that you and I be a spirit-led force to be contended with in the earth, 
Did you know 1 John, you might want to write this down, don't have it on, on my notes for you, but 1 John 2, 6 says for, that we should live as Christ did. For as many as received him, I mean, it says specifically, you should live as Christ did. It's amazing. Like, we're supposed to live like Jesus did. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit in our everyday lives. So that's what I want us to understand today as we evaluate uh, kind of the call of God on our lives together. And, and our function and our focus in this season is understanding where Jesus is in every book of the Bible. And so empowering you to be able to go back. One day you're going to stumble into the book of Amos. One day you're going to stumble, stumble into the book of Obadiah. How many of you love Obadiah? How many of you think I might be speaking in tongues right now? You didn't even know that was a book of the Bible, right? Next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus is uniquely revealed in the book of Obadiah. But today, we're just one book prior to that, how Jesus is uniquely revealed in Amos. Jesus is revealed in every book of the Bible. So one day, you're going to stumble into the book of Amos, and you're going to think, oh, yeah, we did that series, that focus at Destiny where we found Jesus in every book. We, we gave the idea of the framework, of the history, of the context, what's going on with Israel, who's the author, why are they doing that. All this is written out in great length and detail on our blog for you. To, I won't be able to obviously go into all of that today. I want to give you just a brief shot at it, understanding. But I want to, I want to equip you to be able to find the resources you need to really be a student of the Word. How many know the Bible says study? to show yourself approved. So find destinychristian.com, go online, download our app. The blog is there and available for you to dive in a little further. But the essence of this was just one day I'm reading in John chapter 5, verse 39, and I read, Jesus said, the scriptures testify about me. And I thought to myself, John hadn't yet been written when Jesus said the scripture testify about me. John was like hearing this and writing it down, which means the New Testament hadn't been written, which means Jesus was saying the book of Genesis testifies about Jesus. The book of Leviticus testify, testifies about Jesus. And, and I, I mean, I know this will sound kind of odd because like who likes the book of Leviticus? It was my favorite book to look at how Jesus was revealed throughout that. I mean, it's amazing when we start to really get a picture of this. And I want us to see that today as we progress along. We're going to find Jesus in each of the 66 books. They'll all be online for you to be able to reference as you continue to study your Bible. Jesus in the book of Amos. This is an amazing, amazing book where Jesus is revealed and spoken of as one that would come who is underqualified in the minds of humanity, yet supernaturally empowered by God. I am so excited about this idea. The book of Amos speaks of the prophet, of the king, the Messiah, Jesus would come, who's underqualified in the minds of humanity, but empowered supernaturally by the Spirit of God. So understand a little of what's going on. Israel had developed social extremes. This is something that we should be concerned with, Christians. Social extremes, the rich had grown rich, and the rich had grown indifferent and unconcerned with those that were not rich, those that were poor. The social extremes existed. There was a divide that had taken place. This should concern us. I, I saw as we came in, and the, the food table is going out there for the summer food program. You probably don't even think about this because, you know, you may not be in this position in your life, but, but like families that go to, to schools, they get free food assistance while the kids are in school, but while there's summer break, 
then those families go hungry in many instances. And so, you know, rather than just saying, well, that's a shame, I hope that all works out, we want to step up and do something about it. And so the table's set up out there, and we have people that are bringing bags of food and people that are taking bags of food out, and those that need that, that help as a part of our family, we just want to say we love you, we stand with you, we support you. We believe that God wants us together to be the family he's called us to be and make sure that needs are met and families are ministered to in a personal, powerful, intimate way. Come on, let's celebrate that a little bit more. We just call in in Jesus' name. We're not showing up to have church and take up a collection. We're showing up because we are the church and we're going to leave this world a better place. And that's one of the many avenues that we do. We bring, we bust children in from elementary school, from an elementary school that's at risk, not very far from here, Crooked Oak Elementary School. 80% of those kids drop out because they cannot read. Illiteracy is the number one reason that they are dropping out of school before they graduate high school. So we started years ago bussing them in, helping them, sitting tutors, sitting and working with them. I had the privilege of, of being a tutor that first year just to experience what we were venturing into. And I want to say a great big thank Thanks to Barbara Garrett. If she's in here, she's probably running around doing all kinds of things, but who helps spearhead all of that. I want to say thank you to all of our tutors that are helping those kids. Israel had grown very indifferent about these types of things in their own society because the wealthy had grown wealthy and disconnected from the impoverished people. The, the judicial system had grown very corrupt and was taking advantage of those that did not have finances to be able to stand up and fight for themselves. This was a problem. It was a problem to God. So all of a sudden, this guy named Amos shows up. And he starts making a lot of noise. This, this I, I don't know how once, you know, before I really understood how to study Scripture and find lots of resources, I stumbled onto the fact that Amos was a totally unqualified person. And it really encouraged me because early on, like, you know, where, uh, you know I, I didn't go to seminary and all those things, and those things are great for some people, and it's just not my, it wasn't my journey. So I don't put anybody down. That's not how I many you know we tend to do that, right? Like my journey's the way, and, and that creates all kinds of problems. That's not the case, but just for me, I had to kind of climb out of a sense in my own, in and of my own self, of feeling like you know I don't know that that I'm really qualified to do what God's asked me to do. Is there anybody in this place that can identify? Like you feel a little underqualified to be used by God today? Can I just see? I mean, it's a really common feeling. I had no ideas. I was evaluating all this in my own life that I realized that experience in my life was going to become a weapon in the hand of God, helping people break out of self-disqualification. And when I stumbled on to this book of Amos and understanding who this prophet was, I began to come to an incredible realization. This guy was a nobody. And he shows up in the midst of this corruption, things that had really been bothering God, and he, God begins to have a conversation with Amos, this farmer from a rural area. Anybody know where Godibo, Oklahoma is? Wow, we've got some people who know where Godibo. I want you to imagine that a farmer from Godibo, Oklahoma, shows up and begins to call order in the body of Christ on a national level, on every level of the church. That's what's happening with the prophet Amos. He is a nobody, and he knows God is concerned about the current state of his people 
and he shows up to begin to make bold declarations. Unknown, underestimated, overlooked, undervalued Amos. This is an incredible revelation and type of Christ. How I many you know nothing good can come from Nazareth, right? I mean, uh, what, what good could come from Nazareth? Jesus underestimated. I mean, like the king of kings has come, the Messiah has come. That's wonderful. What? He's born in the home of like a, a commoner that has no money? Like nobody really, you know, where's the prestige and the power and the pomp and circumstance? It's almost like God's saying, you know what? I want you to be ordinary, touched by the extra grace of God. And when you put extra in front of ordinary, you become extraordinary. That's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. So stop waiting until you get the degree. Stop waiting until you accomplish whatever it is you think you need to accomplish. And just step out and do what God's asking you to do. That's what Amos did. So suddenly he emerges and he's having all this conversation. And how many of you know when you do what God's asked you to do, everybody's going to love it? I, I can't tell you the number of nasty letters I have received. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm a decent human being. I've got my faults, but I literally had a letter written to me once that said, in the letter, you are the son of Satan. Now, I've got some issues, but I just want you to know, if my dad's here somewhere and he doesn't look at all like Satan, I mean, he, I'm not, he's not, like, he's not the devil and, you know, I'm not the son of Satan. I mean, it's amazing. When you step up, if you, if you don't want any criticism in your life, then just live a quiet life. Don't do anything big. Don't make a difference in anybody's life. Just, you know, stay small. But if you want to step up and be counted and say, my life's going to count and I'm going to make a difference, then you better expect some people are going to create some waves. And, and listen, some well-intending people, don't just write them off as if now you're going to start hurling insults back their way. Even the person who wrote the letter, they were just in pain. And I understood that pain. I presented it to our elders and I said, you know, if I'm Satan's offspring, you need me to step down, I will. Here's the letter, just, just you know, be accountable. But you just walk this stuff out. And, and this is so profound, the way Amos did this, because the priest of Bethel made it clear, you are not welcome here. Shut your mouth and go home. And this was Amos' response. It is so important that you understand. This is the crux of everything we want to talk about today. Amos 17, verses 14 to 16. Amos answered, I was neither a prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet. I was a shepherd. I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord, but the Lord, say it with me, but the Lord, all your limitations, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, would you say that? Said to me, but the Lord said to me, but God began to have a conversation and changed my life. I believe God wants to have a conversation and change your life. But the Lord began to have a conversation with me, and he took me from tending flock, and he said, go prophesy, farm boy. Go prophesy, farm boy, from a rural area where nobody's going to believe anything about you. I've, I've ordained and appointed that you will represent, and you will foster, and you will express the very essence of a coming Messiah that will be undervalued, that will be underestimated, that nobody will understand the power and the anointing that is carried within him because he will look so common to humanity. I've called you to represent that. That's powerful to think about. 
Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then hear the word of the Lord. I, I just love his response. Because he, what was the first thing he said? I was neither a prophet nor was I the son of a prophet. Let me encourage you in something. When people don't believe in you, don't try to present yourself as something more than you're not to get them to believe in you. Because if you do convince them that you're something more than you're not, then they'll grow disillusioned with you. If you just relax, what did he say? I, I know, I know, you're coming at me. I'm not a prophet. I'm not even the son. I love his response. He like right up front admitted what he wasn't, realizing that all the qualifications that other people wanted to demand of him, he did not possess, nor did he require, because he had had a conversation with God. All of the things people are demanding of you, all of the things people are wanting from you, you do not possess. If you do not possess, they are not required. All you need to do is be in conversation with the Lord. So here, first blank right in, stop trying to prove yourself to people who are deeply devoted to misunderstanding you. Just don't waste the energy or the time. I posted this a few years ago on my Facebook account. And it was so funny because there's this one particular uh, young lady that anytime she ever writes anything on my feed, I know it's questioning me or you know, saying something, it's never like awesome, you know, I never hear that from that person. And so I saw that, I saw their name pop up, you know, and so I just posed, listen to it, stop, stop trying to prove yourself to people who are deeply devoted to misunderstanding you. And her, her first words were, I don't understand, can you explain? <laughs> I just I actually replied on the open feed, and I said, I think you're tempting me to participate in what I just said I shouldn't. <laughs> so we're, you know, we have a relationship, and, uh, and so she said, she later admitted, you know, I thought that before I posted it, but I thought I'd give it a shot, so it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to have different opinions. God's purposes for you are more powerful than other people's opinions of you. Relax. Can, can I, you know, Pastor Nathan got up here, and we just speak uh, healing to him. He may be online with us. He's going in for surgery tomorrow. He's torn his rotator cuff in half. And um, crazy situation. But, but he stood up here weeks ago, and he said, just breathe in. <gasps> breathe out. You remember that? And when he did, it was like, inhale, exhale. I don't know why, but like I find myself driving down the road, and I'm like, anybody do this? Like, you're just tense, and you know, like, like my, my, I find my daughter driving down the road, and I'm like, Ugh! like Faith got her driver's license this week, and I am a praying man. I'm just going to tell you. With the funniest experience yesterday, Periscope did all. Tracy and I are cracking up in the back seat, both of us screaming, stop, go! It's like, oh, this horrible thing. But I mean, like, uh, we tend to live our lives like that, don't we? Like everything is in a hurry. There's a subtle cue. There's quick mark. There's like one hour moto photo. Everything is a subtle cue to get you, you know, zip, 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 care. go here, fast food. Fast, you know, everything is like Speedo swimsuit, everything. Like this, all this stuff is like fast. Calm down. I just want to say calm down. 
relax. <laughs> relax. And you will be revealed correctly. What a profound thought. Relax. Stop trying to present. Relax. And God himself will reveal you correctly for who you truly are because only he knows who he truly designed you to be so that you can rest in that and trust in him. The best you is the relaxed you. Next blank. People, search, people are searching for something genuine in our generation. Like you don't have to make something up. Just relax and be who you really are. Now, this is powerful, and, and, and I want to try and get into some of this with you, but a few chapters before what I was referencing in terms of Amos' response, this is very important. Amos chapter 3, verse 7, 8. This is so profound. I, I want to just tell you, I want to try to convince you at least to take a st step forward in understanding you can hear the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God. Listen to the essence of this. This is all throughout Scripture, but I love this. Amos 3, 7, and 8. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. And let's just make sure we all understand the prophet, the, the pastor, teacher, evangelist, po apostle, prophet, those fivefold ministry gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, says that those gifts are given. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. What that means is the prophet shouldn't be the only one prophesying if the prophet's truly doing his job. What that means is the pastor shouldn't be the only one pastoring if the pastor's doing his job. We should be the church accomplishing the objectives of God, expanding the work of God in the earth. Let's don't show up and, and try and convince everybody to fall in love with the speaker. Let's really empower everybody to fall in love with the Savior. Surely the Lord does nothing without talking to us about it. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can help themselves but prophesy? I mean, like when God starts to speak, how can you not talk about it? You were created to be fascinated. You do understand that. You were created to be fascinated. And powerful statement. Next point. The less we pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the more we thirst for entertainment. You were created to be fascinated. You are going to find fascination. If you'll find it in the place where God created you to find it, then you will not live a distracted existence coming to the end of your years saying, what was life really all about anyway? I accomplished all this stuff. You ever heard that verse? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? So let's purpose to be fascinated by God. Amos had been in conversation with God. Therefore, he was empowered by God to change his world. It made me think in Acts chapter 4, that verse about Peter and John, and they were before the religious order of their day. Do you remember that? And it says like they were bold, and they were courageous, and they were powerful, and they were uneducated and untrained. But they took note, it says, these men had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus. I hope that they say of the destiny family, these men and women are men and women who have been with Jesus. 
That same chapter, Acts 4, there was a filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to address this just a little bit with you today. More online, you can explore this further. A whole message on the Holy Spirit. Would love for you to look that up, destinychristian.com forward slash Holy Spirit. But, but let me just say, in Acts chapter 4, the church, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The place shook, and they all declared the Word of God boldly. Isn't it powerful to see, like, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. You, you understand in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon one person per generation. Have you noticed this before? And then, like, in the New Testament, Jesus came, and all the stuff we've been learning about this Old Testament declarations about how Gentiles and Jews were going to be, you know, drawn in. And so that's what, that's what this was all about. Jesus is risen from the grave, and he releases his spirit to all Jews and Gentiles, like all humanity. It's no longer just one person per generation that has the power of God, but it is now every person in every generation has the potential and capacity to walk as Jesus did in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is really exciting. Like that's, if you took somebody from the Old Testament and you put them in here and I just said that, we are in that day now. They'd be way more excited than we are. It's a big deal. And so there they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to point this out because let's just be clear. These were the same people in Acts 4 that had been filled with the Spirit in Acts 2. Same people. And what we need to understand, being filled with the Holy Spirit is like not this one-time mass occurrence thing that it needs to happen in your life and happen in your life. And happen. you need to be filled with the Spirit today. I hope you've been filled with the Spirit. The Bible says there's a difference. I know some people say, well, salvation, you should fill the Spirit. Acts chapter 19 specifically says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's a tough one. That you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but you need to not just be filled with the Holy Spirit one time. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. You need to be filled with the Spirit today. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit tomorrow. You need to walk in the power of the Spirit of God every day that you live. That we might be the church. Ephesians 5.18 declares it as a commandment. Be filled with the Spirit. Listen, I'm convinced the church needs less clever and more power in our generation. Nobody claps alone here. It's the rule. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is one of the most important relationships I can provoke you to work at in your entire life. Do you hear me? 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Paul says, May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is pretty important. Listen, even secular historians call the 20th century the century of the Holy Spirit. These aren't theologians. Secular historians. You might not have, you might not have any idea of the information I'm about to tell you. It's important. You do understand, this is the century where Israel became a nation. How many of you think there might be something going on if this was like all happening in the same time? So like in 1900, nobody was claiming any kind of a Pentecostal experience from God. And, and just make sure you understand, it doesn't have to be supernatural. I'm sorry, it doesn't have to be spectacular to be supernatural. You got me? And I think that's where we go wrong. We get so caught up in the spectacular that we lose sight of sometimes what God really wants to do. Just relax. Let him do whatever he wants to do. He's God. 
But, but pay attention to this, because in 1900, there were no Christians claiming a Pentecostal experience. By 1945, about the same time Israel's becoming a nation, 16 million people were claiming a Pentecostal experience from heaven, from God. They were praying in the Spirit, a Pentecostal experience. 16 million, from zero to 16 million. It goes on. Ten years later, it was 27 million. The next decade, 1965, was 56 million. 75 was 97 million. 85 was 268 million. 90, every decade, do you see this exponential growth taking place? By 1995, 463 million people were claiming to have some unusual Pentecost experience from heaven in their hearts and in their lives. And by the year 2000, 650 million people. Sociologists say that there's never in the history of humanity been a non-militaristic, non-political, voluntary movement seen with this kind of explosive growth. That is profound. Like, that ought to at least cause us to step back and evaluate our theology a little more meticulously and see, how am I cultivating my relationship with the Holy Spirit in my everyday life? You understand, I know this, I'm, try, I'm go, trying not to go into stuff that's going to take us longer for me to, you know, go all the way around, but, but you understand, Jesus is seated somewhere. Where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father, the right hand of the throne. So the Father and the Son are like on the throne and at the right hand, ever living, making intercession for you. Do you understand? The Holy Spirit is who is here helping you. The Holy Spirit is who is here teaching you. The Holy Spirit is who is here empowering you. The Holy Spirit is here to guide you, lead you, direct you, give you what you need for that little extra grace so that you become extraordinary in your life. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Not those that pray to prayer. Come on. I'm fed up with the religiosity that has been shoved down my throat in my generation. Aren't you? I don't hate the church. I love the church. I want the church to be everything God's called the church to be. That's why I'm standing up here today. And I resist anything that's contrary to the blueprint of Scripture. When we start to evaluate the structure of the body of Christ, and we all need to be on the same page about that. Let's be who God's called us to be. We are God's family. He is our Father. His Son came and lived a sinless life to set the perfect example that His Spirit might be released to you and to me that we might live in utter obedience to God as an example for others to see exactly as we saw the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't die so you could go to church. Jesus didn't stretch his arms out and have nails pierced through his body and a spear stabbed in his side so we could come fulfill our religious obligation. Jesus died to inspire, to empower, to equip, and to release a force of heaven in the earth that would literally conquer the gates of hell and darkness that's trying to destroy. That's who you and I are. You ever had that moment and like somebody called you and it was just the right time, just the right thing, and you said, 
Can you say it with me? You have no idea how much I needed that today, right? Listen, I want to tell you, I believe God rarely gets the credit he deserves. You're being led by the Spirit of God way more than you realize. You hear the voice of God. I mean, you do. Either you do or the Bible's not true. And I'm finding in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. How many of you are part of the flock? Like you are the sheep of God, the people of his pasture. Raise your hand if that's you. That describes who you are. Raise your hand if you hear the voice of God because it parallels. And and again, it's like we look for this spectacular thing. And we call that supernatural. You want to know what happens? I'll, I'll guarantee that I've studied out revivals and had a real interest in this. This is what happens. Revival breaks out and the supernatural is released. And when God shows up at your house, like you're going to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Would you agree? And it affects people in a, in a profound way. Supernaturally, God's there. And then spectacular things start to result And it's not easy to define the common supernatural thing. So we migrate to the spectacular thing that actually moves us away from the supernatural origin of what started it all in the first place. We're not afraid of of spectacular and manifestation and and people getting excited. You want to dance, you feel free to dance. You want to do cartwheels, you feel free to do cartwheels. Probably better if you do those at the back so you're not drawing a lot of attention to yourself. But you understand, we're not afraid of all those things. It's just that those things are not what this is about. It's the supernatural power of God. It's the promptings of the Spirit that's releasing the kingdom of God in the earth. Would you stand with me? It's the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's the promptings of the Spirit of God. He draws us in to be a part of His family. We're the sons and daughters of God. We're the people of God called by His name. We're empowered by the Spirit of God. Stop chasing after some spectacular thing. And you disqualify yourself because like, I, don't, I didn't see it happen this way. And I didn't, you know, I saw someone and they did this and it was all... This. Just calm down. Relax and you'll be revealed correctly. I am a very expressive person. I was expressive when my kids were little and they climbed to the top of the McDonald's toy and I'm standing there not paying a bit of attention to the full wall of glass and the dozens of customers in McDonald's and and Faith is going up and Lexi's stuck and so Faith comes down and helps. Lexi grabs the thing and Faith gets behind her, raises up her diaper, gives her a diaper wedgie and gets her on the next level. I mean, they grow and I'm like, you can do it, girls. You can do it. You can do it. And they get all the way to the top and when they get to the top, I went crazy. Like, Whoa! I'm jumping, I'm swinging on the jungle gym thing. And I realized, there's a glass wall. All these people are like stopping eating. That's who I am. That's not who my wife is. And how many of you know, we try to put our spiritual emphasis on other people to demand that they be as spiritual as we are. Huge mistake. This woman of God, driving down the street one day, quietly had a prompting of the Holy Spirit, 
turn and go off course. When she turned, the Holy Spirit said, turn again. Pointed out a house to her. She sat in the driveway. And the Lord told her that she was going to buy that house for an embarrassing amount of money. So embarrassing that when she came home and told me, I patronized her. Not meaning to, but I said, I, what was it, 30 $35,000 to buy like a really nice, <laughs> nice house. Great, isn't that crazy? And so like we're looking at it and, and, and I, I said, let's offer more, <laughs> right? How many of you have ever had God speak something to you and other people wanted to argue with you about it? She said, no, I really feel like that's what the Lord said. And they took, we made the offer and they accepted exactly the offer that the Lord told her to, to do. It became a rent house for us, our first rent house. What does God want to do in your life, in your business, in your finances, in your relationships, in our community? Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you. We don't have all this figured out. I'm not standing up today as a proponent that I'm some expert who knows all about this, but we're all just on a journey trying to find our way. And every day, the objective is we'll become a little more like you. We just want to be a little more like you today, led by your Spirit, having a conversation with God, ceasing to disqualify ourselves, that we might fulfill what you've asked us to fulfill in our mission to our generation. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name,